especially in a quote typical workplace in a field like accounting, you can experience a lot less empathy or understanding of the way that you function differently than other people. And that can be really hard. That can be really hard to want to stay in the field. Hey, this is Allison. Welcome to Underwithheld, the podcast by accountants and for accountants, where we talk about our ubiquitous professional and personal struggles. You are not alone. This episode is a conversation I had with Tex. Tex is an accountant based out of Portland, Oregon. After a childhood of struggling with school assignments, while simultaneously excelling at standardized tests, Tex was diagnosed with ADHD in their final year of college. Tex shares experiences of growing up and working in accounting with ADHD, as well as some thoughts on how others in the accounting profession might approach their own ADHD in the workplace, or those without ADHD might help their ADHD colleagues and staff. Before we jump into the conversation, a little background on the topic, which Tex will also go over. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, which is actually an antiquated misnomer. Individuals with ADHD don't necessarily lack attention. Instead, they struggle with choosing where exactly they should be placing their attention and to what extent. It can be challenging for them to push away extraneous environmental inputs that folks without ADHD may find they can readily ignore. Alternatively, folks with ADHD may sometimes be able to hyper-focus on an activity to the exclusion of all else, even if that activity is not the optimal one for them to be choosing at the moment. Further, folks with ADHD aren't necessarily hyperactive, and indeed, expecting to see this presentation can lead to an ADHD individual not receiving a helpful diagnosis. ADHD is also not about being lazy. While possible causes of ADHD aren't quite solidified, we do know that the condition is associated with lower-than-average levels of various chemicals produced by the body, including dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that has a significant role in executive functions, such as working memory and paying attention. With this in mind, telling an ADHD child or adult to work harder or just focus is not only not helpful, it can be counterproductive if that person feels punished or ashamed for something over which they have no control. In my research for this episode, I did not find much on the intersection of ADHD and accounting. However, according to the National Institutes of Health, approximately 5% of U.S. adults have ADHD. It therefore seems reasonable to me that there are quite a few accountants with ADHD. If you have resources specifically where these two topics meet, please reach out to me with those at underwithheld.com. I will add them to the resources already listed in the show notes. In case it needs to be said, I nor my guests are therapists. We are not offering therapy. We may say things that just don't resonate with you, and if so, that's totally cool. There's nothing prescriptive here, just colleagues talking about an issue we think is important, and we hope talking about it will help someone else. If something sounds helpful to you here, cool. If not, just ignore it. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tex. Hello, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Tex. I live in Portland, Oregon. I am a CPA here. Well, actually, oh, I think I have to say, I have to say I'm an inactive CPA because I forgot to get my renewal in yesterday. <laughs> so sorry, Oregon. I'm an inactive CPA <laughs> in Oregon. I'm an active CPA in Washington, so I actually can say that. I did not 
like kind of start accounting in a traditional way at all. I mean, who knows if any, well, actually, no, it's not true. A lot of people on Twitter are like, <laughs> my dad's a CPA and I'm a CPA. I'm like, oh, cool. My dad was a logger. Um, so I grew up in Oregon, in Central Oregon, in a really blue collar family. I have three little brothers. Didn't have money, didn't talk about money, didn't know mm -hmm. about money. So like I, when I got into accounting, like I remember when I started my job at my, my first, like, you know, like in at my job that I was just at for a while, I like didn't know what interest was, like the concept of like interest expense. Sure, like that's sure. how little I knew. We all know that we don't, it's not like we learn about this stuff in school or anything. So yeah, I always, in like the context of what we're going to talk about, I always struggled in school. I skipped a grade <laughs> and I always struggled in school. <laughs> I was very quote, smart. I've always been good at tests, standardized testing, even, you know, tests in class, but I always struggled with assignments, whether it was forgetting about them or just being unable to know how to start, especially if they were a big project or like a term long paper. And I just didn't really have the family structure to kind of offer. Mm -hmm. you know, my parents were always working. I have For three sure. little brothers who are bouncing off the walls and one of them is actually now an accountant. He just started his city government accounting job last week. I'm so proud of him. Um, but yeah, I, it was kind of the same thing in college. I like got into college on a fluke. It, I didn't know I'd be able to go to college. And I just had a high school guidance counselor who like <laughs> changed my life. And I started, but it was kind of the same story where, you know, I just didn't know. I couldn't, I just lost stuff. I didn't, I couldn't keep track of anything. I would be in class and then it'd be like 40 minutes later and I'd be like, eh, I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> and it was, it, you know, you, I always heard this very common to hear, you're so smart. You're so much potential. If you could just, if you would just try a little harder. And I think that's why a lot of us don't try harder for a long time is that knowledge that if it's, if it's just that I need to try harder and then I try harder and then I still fail, then what? Then it's just me because all I have to do is try harder, right? And so I re yeah, really struggled with college. I tried for a while. I was academically dismissed from Portland State University two times before I got my bachelor's degree. Took a long time off and then finally went back and got my bachelor's degree in applied linguistics. And that was in 2017. And I did not get diagnosed with ADHD until my last term of finishing that bachelor's degree. And uh, I, I remember taking my medication for the first time and being like, oh, well, if I had had this, everything would have been fine. So that's all. That's like, I, I think an experience that a lot of people with ADHD go through is, is taking the medication for the first time and being like, oh, is this what regular people brains are like? Because I have a thousand TV channels going all times full blast. And I, I like I hear it all. I see what's going on. It's just it's a lot. So but like I basically went to the doctor and was like I think I have depression because I like can't do anything and like thankfully this doctor and it wasn't someone I was established with this doctor must have just gotten something out of something I said and she kind of was like oh like tell me more about that give me specific examples of you know what you're struggling with and we talked for a while and of course she asked about family history and I have again three very hyperactive little brother, you know mm -hmm. two brothers who all my brothers have documented lifelong, you know, mental health issues and 
ADHD in two of them, borderline personality disorder and you know, in one of them, like there's, this is very common. And it's also very common for, you know, for, for girls to be overlooked, especially I think when you, when you have it a little more together than, you know, your siblings who are big problem causers. It's like, we can only give so many kids attention and you're the least <sighs> of our worries. So like basically right before I started my first job, well, it was, a, I hate to say accounting job. It was at my job where I became an accountant, but I started just a, in a temp admin role because I just didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated. Sure. That was horrible. The admin role. <laughs> Very much not my strong suit. But I immediately, my boss was someone I knew and she had done the post back. There's a post back accounting certificate at Portland State. For those who don't know, well, I'm sure everyone listening is an accountant, but if you want to take the CPA exam, of course, you have to have those 150 hours and some of them are really specific. So this certificate is for when you already have a bachelor's degree in anything. So you have the, like you have a good number of credits, but then you're just adding on all the required accounting ones and also getting you to 150. So it's not like an, it's not an accounting degree. It's just, I just took accounting classes and I have a bachelor's degree and then I took the exam. So, so yeah, then I was in, I pretty much immediately went back to school for that when I started that job. And then I did a very brief stint at a mid-sized regional firm here that it was just very much like values-wise not for me. And I went back to my role and then I just, I just left that role. So I just started my new position this week in an industry role working with a restaurant. So it's really cool for me because I always worked in restaurants before I did this. So it's like going back to my place. I appreciate you sharing that. I think we're probably going to have folks listening in who are accountants with ADHD. And I think we are also going to have folks listening who are accountants without ADHD and who may not have exposure to this and may not really know what we're talking about, maybe some misconceptions or just lack of knowledge in general. Can you spend a little bit of time explaining what ADHD is? Yes, definitely. I, disclaimer, I am not a doctor. <laughs> so a lot, you know, I'm going to speak to things I've read, things I have learned working with my therapist who specializes in adults, really with, I, it seems like she works with a lot of adults who we're not diagnosed with ADHD until later in life, which seems really specific, but I think, I don't think it's as specific as, it's definitely not as specific as I used to think it was. And a thing also that my therapist says that I really like is she calls ADHD a personality type, which can be really, I mean, everyone can identify the way they want, but mm -hmm. it can be a helpful framework for me as far as remembering that lots of people are like this. And that it's not, you know, it's a disorder, but it's not a disorder. So for kind of the 101, I'm not even going to touch on the acronym because it's outdated. A lot of professionals think it should be changed. ADHD does not always present in hyperactivity. It definitely doesn't in me. It definitely doesn't in girls and women frequently, but it can. It totally can. And I have, I have seen it. So I say ADHD because that's what it's called. Also used to be referred to as ADD, which I think now it's like inattentive type versus 
hyperactive type, I think is more common language, but it, so like my disclaimer is that I, is that I wouldn't think about the acronym too much. And also a thing I want to preface this with is there's a lot of literature that discusses the overlap between ADHD and ASD, the autism spectrum, which incidentally used to be mutually exclusive. So if you had one diagnosis, you couldn't have the other. And that was changed like relatively recently. So there's a lot of overlap in those symptoms and that's kind of its own whole topic, but I think it's important to like honor it because I think people will hear things and be like, oh, I thought of that as like an autism thing. But anyways, kind of neuroscience of it 101 is that deficiencies in neurotransmitters in our brain, which our brains synthesize, are like underlying in a lot of disorders, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, etc. ADHD specifically is a deficiency in a neurotransmitter called norepinephrine. And its main like building block is DOPA, which is turned into dopamine, and then it's turned into norepinephrine. So when we have a deficiency, like our brain isn't isn't making enough of that. I also think it can be that your brain breaks it down too fast, which I think is why some people respond better to like there are medications that help you make more of it and there are medications that help you break it down slower. Mm-hmm. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Some I'm sure some like <laughs> neuroscientists listening to me being like, that is not true. <laughs> but that's like my kind of my understanding of it. And norepinephrine uh, is crucial <laughs> to the functioning. So, um, yeah, stimulants help us synthesize more of that. And that deficiency can affect multiple parts of the brain. And, you know, those parts of the brain support things like working memory, emotional regulation, mental flexibility, right? The ability to accept change as it comes or switch tasks or, you know, anything like that. So I think medicine's really fascinating. I have a really great provider who is like a huge medicine nerd. She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner and she manages my medication and she's like, she tells me so much. It's amazing. (laughs) So yeah. So, you know, a lot of things that we struggle with are, yeah, those things, working memory. I mean, executive functions in general, working memory, emotional regulation. That's like such a big one that I think we know about, but we don't, we think about it as like, yeah, like a hyper little boy throwing a tantrum and not someone really struggling with, you know, a piece of criticism they just got at work and that kind of totally overloading their brain. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the (laughs) scientific, uh, uh, but like from a non-scientist perspective, that is, yeah. So ADHD has, to summarize, ADHD manifests in so many ways in so many different people. There's a big set of symptoms, but when you have ADHD and you and you talk about it a lot, you will you would be amazed how many people that resonates with. I mean, I think this is so clear. If you get on TikTok, which I will admit I cannot have TikTok on my phone because I have no self-control. <laughs> so I have not had it for several months. <laughs> but when I was like in the height of my addiction for a while to TikTok, yeah, you get on ADHD t- TikTok and you, you know, you will just see people talking about their experiences and so many people being like, oh, not, not everybody, not everybody does that. And then like a bunch of people chime in and be like, no, not everybody does that. (laughs) Like, oh, you guys don't, 
you won't be in the middle of eating something and then all of a sudden you cannot have it in your mouth anymore and so you will spit it back out onto your plate like no that's not a thing that happens like all right cool that thought that was just pretty normal but so there's all sorts of stuff but the flip side is that you know sure i can surround myself outside of work with this bubble of people who understand who maybe don't also have adhd but know me and understand me and then especially in a quote typical workplace in a field like accounting you can experience a lot less empathy or understanding of the way that you function differently than other people and that can be really hard that can be really hard to want to stay in the field (laughs) when you feel like it's a bunch of people whose brain development is completely different from yours and you're seen as like well you're just different because you're not trying hard enough to be normal like us and it's like no 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 my brain literally developed differently than yours i think like any mental health issue that's just a huge that's gonna be a barrier to entry and to retention in accounting for a long time until there's a big, big, big shift in how we understand it and accept it (laughs) as just different people and not people who are failures. If I could summarize a little bit, also not a scientist, it sounds like ADHD manifests itself in a variety of ways and probably is not going to be corrected by simply telling someone to focus or be better with their time management or work harder. Yeah. Not only is it not going to help, it is going to harm, (laughs) especially in children when that's a message they're getting all the time. And there's, you know, why didn't you remember to bring your backpack to school? Because I didn't remember my backpack existed because I didn't see it in my field of vision, right? It did not exist to me. So yeah, it, it is harmful, I think, to, to, push these messages and you'll still see it. I mean, I know that you'll see the worst stuff, like the worst takes on Twitter sometimes. I it just truly, the I mean, it can be the best, but it can be the worst. But it's like, I just saw a tweet that was like, it was like giving kids amphetamines for ADHD is child abuse. And it's like, are you kidding me? Mm. Like, I can assure you it is, I can assure you it is not, sir, who is not a doctor. But you see that kind of stuff all the time. And it is interesting how pervasive those beliefs, those myths are in our society. When you see hot takes on Twitter or other social media about ADHD, you know it's just wrong. How do you feel? I think it's always super (laughs) invalidating to see somebody just saying like, this person's lived experience that I have not lived, false. Yeah. Why do you care? Why is this the thing you've chosen to be obsessed with? Get a hobby, like build a model train or something. Yeah, I feel that. Tell us about your experiences on the job. Okay. $5 says I cry at some point during this podcast. Do it. Crying is okay. <laughs> I should have worn my crybaby shirt. Crying. Yeah, cry. Like I cry because of an overwhelm of any emotion. I just cry about everything. I cry when I'm mad. I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm frustrated. I, cry. I mean, it's just a response. So yeah, I'll probably cry. But yeah, ADHD in accounting, and I, I will just say in my professional life because my only professional life has been in accounting 
and is hard and it is mostly interpersonal but a lot of the interpersonal conflict is caused by the things that I'm doing or not doing or doing wrong or doing differently or weirdly or oddly or whatever and the like the biggest one for me oh I am I know I'm gonna cry I'm already thinking about it (laughs) the biggest one for me is oh my god it's so embarrassing is is I uh, my preface and this is again just me not everybody struggles with this I do pretty good with observation like I said my exception really is tone of voice I don't I have a hard time with tone of voice I tend to not interpret it right this is a recurring theme in my life is I'm not great with tone if I'm trying to solicit a piece of information from somebody and they provide the wrong thing either because I wasn't clear with what I was asking they didn't understand whatever my tone when I reword the request can often sound annoyed or critical or, you know, frustrated. Like, plus, if it's paired with I talk fast, I process fast. Someone might be trying to still be like, wait, what are you asking for? And I'm like, and I'm like already trying to give an, you know, trying to reword it. And then they're overwhelmed because it just seems like I'm being like, come on, give me the answer. Yeah. So it's like people interpret that often and you know it can be interpreted as you know like I'm annoyed or whatever but in my head there's nothing going on other than oh that didn't work I'm gonna try something else (laughs) but it leads to so many issues it's really like the it's really the number one thing that's caused issues in work is getting told that oh so and so thought it was really difficult to work with you on this project because it just felt like you were arguing all the time. Oh. And in my head, we never argued. We literally oh, wow. discussed. Yeah. We discussed and problem solved. And we may have disagreed on something. And so then we talked it out, right? Like I can see, it can just seem very intense. And I think I particularly struggle with letting there be space when I'm problem solving. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying everything that comes to mind in case something lands. So the interpersonal conflicts in general, whether they're from, well, you know, with being on time, with being late, I am one of those people, but I keep taking jobs that don't have a set start time because I know that Uh, I will fail at that. But people who struggle with getting there on time, people people who struggle with staying on task, who, you know, will hop around, people who, there's just, there's so many things that reason we process so fast is because when normal people receive information, they get the slight delay and then they get it and then they have a second to decide, not necessarily actively decide, but decide how they're going to react. And then people with ADHD a lot of times don't have that. So it's like you get the information and it's just, it's dumped and now you're reacting, right? Sure. We see that a lot in outbursts in children. I mean, lots of children have outbursts, but I mean, outbursts in me, like low frustration tolerance reactions that don't seem to match the the cause of the reaction right like sure crying while talk while talking about compensation negotiating or right that's a big a big thing for me so i really struggle talking about i really struggle like advocating for myself in ways like that and that kind of overwhelm of just it being hard and just being a 
oh, this is a hard thing that I'm navigating, coming out and crying. And it's like having to constantly be like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sad. It's just not processing on the inside. It's processing coming out of my face. I don't know what to do about it. And it can be your first episode about imposter syndrome was like, that resonated with me so hard as far as being in these situations or in these work environments where like I you you just don't feel good enough and so then doing something like advocating for a raise feels like fraudulent (laughs) you're like but I already think I'm awful so why do I deserve more money yeah but like I also know I'm supposed to ask for more money sort of thing you know God so much of that episode really resonated for me the last three weeks when I was job hunting where the recruiter would send me a job and I'd be like I'm not qualified for that and it's like yes I am (laughs) yes I am why do I not think that I'm qualified for that so yeah the emotional dysregulation can cause has has caused me so much pain in the workplace having a reaction that I didn't want to have and that in my head I'm going this isn't this reaction is not matching how I'm like logically thinking about this but not being able to stop it and that can be the most frustrating part too is you know you're overreacting and there's it it ju- you cannot stop so there's that there's the emotional dysregulation where you can just get so frustrated over a silly thing there's the rsd the rejection sensitive dysphoria where you get criticism and you you just can't it's it's not that you think it's unfair again it's just that you know, like when I get, when I received certain types of criticism, the caveat is that certain types of criticism I can handle fine. You use the wrong depreciation method. Okay, cool. I did. My bad. I, mm-hmm. That's great. And I won't do that again. So thanks for telling me. But criticism like this, this project was messy. It's clear that you didn't take much care in it, especially from when you're someone who is really seeking that validation from like, you know, your superiors to, to hear that they think that you didn't try when you have not let this leave your brain for six months can hurt so bad. And that's the, that's really the part that I can't, I can't logic away. And my therapist has told me to stop trying to logic it away. She's just like, you just feel stuff more like, okay. But it, it makes it hard to have confidence and to, to, want to take on new projects to want to take on new responsibilities because you you'll just be like oh yeah well I got the feedback that it seems like I'm trying to steamroll everybody because I have so many opinions about this thing or whatever those things are just cumulative and they add up and they definitely supplement if not create imposter syndrome right you can be doing good work but then getting this feedback like oh I asked you to lay out your process and it was such a mess you obviously don't even understand what you are doing and it's like no my my brain just your brain goes one two three and my brain went to the grocery store first I don't know what to say like but I do know what I'm doing which but but also I can see why it seems like I don't know what I'm doing then there's kind of the just the other like I hate to say not little things but other things like time blindness is a concept that's really common in sure, sure. right i will do it where i'm like oh i have time for the oh i mean my cpa renewal i it's just like oh i have i have the hours it's not even because i didn't do the hours i didn't have the hours but you know it's just like you'll be like oh i have i have time to do this and then two weeks goes by and you're like 
oh, I have time. I just thought about it like two days ago. And it's like, no, it was two weeks ago. Stuff sneaking up on you. That kind of stuff. Like, you know, people are like, oh, you didn't finish this project on time. And you're like, well, see, I thought that I, I thought that I had more days between when I started it and when I finished it. And then they all disappeared. And I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Hyperfocus, I think, is a really big issue in accounting, especially, oh my God, I feel so bad for people in like big four firms that can't get laser focused on one thing or, you know, you're getting the, the talking to about your billable time or whatever. Like I have fallen down rabbit holes so many times where it's been like, oh, I'll just look up this one thing just to make sure I have it right. <laughs> and then an hour later, you're like, why am I reading about rules for people who want to rent we want to move into a home they got in a 1031. It's just not even, it's not even what I was, it's bizarre where you'll kind of go down and then, yeah, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, that's an hour I can't build with a client because I'm not even reading about something relevant to them. And I have to explain it to my boss, you know, or you're self-employed and you're like, well, now I can't build that. And it's just that frustration of like, you know, my first year at that firm, the old partner was, it was the year before he retired and he was just a very normal man and would just do a thing finish it and then give it to me and be like okay can you contact the client and just be like how did you do that I don't know how to finish a thing because I will just Uh, fall down so many rabbit holes or a lot of people think that ADHD is a lack of attention and it's not it's an inability to regulate your attention I have plenty of attention I have plenty of hobbies I have three guitars in this room I am not very good at guitar I have <laughs> no I have like coloring books that I have never colored in I have I mean I could look around it's ridiculous and then lesser stuff I say lesser because it's lesser for me this might not be lesser for other people this may be the bane of their existence but little things like overhead light sensitivity I <laughs> that's like a big one my last job I had an office on the second floor and I was the only one in the office the only one on the second floor and it was great because I, there's so many things that I struggle with overhead light this was great I was able to just get a lamp in my office that was amazing not having to hear people talking about things hear multiple discussions or the admin on the phone with a client and or a client coming in or whatever and then even little things like clothing sensitivity. I could wear whatever I wanted because no one had to see me up in my cave. So if I had one of those days where it was like, I can't imagine wearing anything but like these leggings that I definitely do not want to wear to work, like I could do it. Or food sensitivities, right? Someone may really struggle with leftovers, you know, reheated food, like not being able to have something fresh and that can just be hard at the office. And this is some of the ways that working from home has been so beneficial to a lot of people. And then of course, comorbidity with other diagnoses, you know, like anxiety or depression, all these things make it very, very hard to perform the way that people, that a lot of people, of course, this isn't everybody, but that a lot of people want you to in this very like traditional way, right? All these ways that you might be seen as like not professional, which really need to do away with that term in general. But so yeah, there's a lot. I could go on and on (laughs) all the ways that this has affected my life. And I get this really good contrast of like, I'm married to somebody who is very neurotypical and it is so fascinating the differences (laughs) between us in every single way that we function and live. I have never seen him log on later than eight o'clock AM ever. You know, he just doesn't, 
He never wakes up late. He never loses track of time before he goes to work. He never, I mean, I've been late to work so many times because it's like, oh, sorry, I thought I would just water the garden and now I am planting stuff. And uh, it's yeah. not, you know what I mean? <laughs> it can be rough in a job that you're in. It can be really difficult to want to look for other jobs because you see the sort of traditional expectations that they have and you see all the ways that you struggle within those you struggle to work within those or you struggle to succeed within those so it's been it's kind of a roller coaster it's kind of an ADHD fueled I feel like move for me to even get it like move into accounting it was just I tried this thing and then I took the first class and debit sequel credits is the most satisfying thing ever. <laughs> this is going to be great. Of course, then I'm like working in tax, nice. which like, okay. Debits and credits out the window. Let's learn a bunch of rules. <laughs> I do love debits. I think it's why I like bookkeeping so much. Just like, I love making a journal entry. But, you know, I didn't think everything else through. And I, leaving, you know, my job that I started at the end of 2017 and I had this moment where I was like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to stay in accounting. Should I just do a coding boot camp? That's also really satisfying. But then it's like, what if I do the same thing? What if I just find myself there five years later being like, oh, I'm like not professional enough for this field. And I feel like I fail in every aspect of it. And now what do I do? (laughs) I almost feel like the most frustrating part about all of this is when I speak about it is the people who are like, it sounds like you just need to work for yourself. Be your own boss. You set your own rules. You can come in whenever you want, wear whatever you want. It's like, man, I know it's well-intentioned, but trust me, I can barely go to work when I'm required to. You think I'm going to do it when I'm the one making the rules? No way. No way. Like I will be restringing my guitars all day for no reason. I have not even played them enough to need to restring them. You know, like, so everyone has these, you know, quick fixes for your ADHD and it's, trust me, I would have done that a long time ago, a long time ago if I could. We're accountants. We get paid to fix problems and we can't shut that off. I'm literally, and I'm the worst. I'm such a problem solver. (laughs) So that is okay. Like I am a problem solver. And that's one of the things, you know, that there's a lot of things that I love on good days about my ADHD when I, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are really great. Yeah. Your ability to problem solve, your ability to, you know, immediately get the vibe of a place i can walk into a place and be like we are not staying here i have observed i do not like those people in the corner being able to take in everything at once is awesome but it's also really annoying because then you're finishing people's sentences all the time and they're like can you please stop interrupting me i'm like i'm sorry i just thought i knew where you were going with that (laughs) so there's pros and pros and cons to this i will say (laughs) but and it can a lot of times feel like cons when you're being told hey you're really behind on that project and you're like oh yeah no i'm i'm mortified of it i can't i can't even think about it yeah yeah i think a fun i'll tell one fun i will i think it's fun a fun story about how this really affected me like getting my cpa license i passed my last cpa exam on december 31st 20 20. I took my last one and then I found out like 10 days later that I passed it. And Oregon has experience requirements. I had the experience requirement because I had been working the whole time. I had been in school and all that. And, and obviously after, and then I didn't get my 
Oregon license until November. I think I got it in Washington first in August. I didn't get my Oregon license until November, despite having been, I could have just done it on like this, you know, January 12th or whatever. And the reason why it took so long is because Oregon for new licensees requires you to basically write this essay, this paper, and they have a bunch of prompts. It's like nine main prompts and they have like sub prompts or whatever. And you have to like write out examples of like you understanding all this stuff based on your kind of field. So if you're in tax, there's one. If you're in audit, there's one. If you're in government, there's one. If you're in private, there's one. But another fun thing with ADHD is why procrastinate? This was honestly the most, when I found this out, I burst into tears. Procrastination is so common in ADHD, so common. And I always struggled with this in school. Big paper, you're supposed to work on it all term. Well, I wrote it the night before. And so a lot of times it wasn't good. When I started seeing my therapist said, well, yeah, when people who are more neurotypical have this thing they have to do, that registers with their brain and their brain's like, oh, here's stress hormone, basically. You got to get this thing done. And they're like, okay, I got to get this thing done. Well, and then of course our brains don't do that until it's real close. And then it's, then now you're really stressed about it being late. Now you get the chemical dump. Now you can do it. Because I always wondered, it was like, I can do it. Like I can always do it the night before or before the deadline. But like, I could not do anything. I can't do anything leading up to a deadline. Like it has to, be as close as possible to where I could still do it. And then it's like it clicks and I'm able to do it. And that is so frustrating. And so back to the Oregon CPA story. So I had to write this essay and it's long written essays are the bane of my existence. Mm. Why do you think I got an accounting degree and not an English degree? I don't want to write an essay about what I've done when you're just going to make my boss sign a thing that says, yeah, this person is competent in these areas. And so like any good accountant, I went to Google and I found (laughs) that if I held an active CPA license in another state, then I could get a reciprocal license in Oregon. And it had all the same requirements, having my boss sign off on my experience, all my CPA scores, my transcripts, but I wouldn't have to write the essay. And so I did. So I (laughs) applied in Washington, who doesn't require that. Uh, I spent 300 extra dollars eight months into this, eight months into just agonizing over it, eight months that I probably could have been making more money that I, you know what I mean? Like this was an opportunity cost. And, but I finally, but I just did it. I feel like I cheated the system, but my boss had called Oregon and was like, I have an employee who's thinking of doing this because they really struggle with writing. Is there any reason why this wouldn't work? And they were basically like, no. It's like, then why do you require it? So yeah, really. I, sounds like I was the first person to go out of my way to do this. And my boss had asked the person we talked to at the state of Oregon, like, why don't more people do this? Like, why is this kind of the first sure, time you're hearing sure. about it? And they basically were like, because most people don't, I don't know, because people just don't care about writing the essay. They just write the essay. I was like, oh, I'm sure they do. So yeah, so that's why I'm a CPA in Washington because I was physically incapable of writing this paper. I tried so many times and I just could not do it. So that's just like the silliest example of how this completely changes. It's just your brain functions completely differently 
than people without it. And it is so hard to wrap your head around. But even stuff like that is just like, yeah, I could have been a CPA in January. And it, I mean, whatever, but it, it, it can be frustrating. It's like, like I could, we even, I even was like, would you guys, could we do like a Zoom interview? And I will tell you all of these. Sure, things. sure. It's a different person. format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it also just like made me, and when this got brought up, you know, my boss and I talked to the state of Oregon just about accessibility in general, just like sure. this, you know, this essay and especially people you can find on, you know, forum boards or whatever, people talking about it, getting sent back because the state will send it back to you for like revisions. So it's like getting it sent back and having to redo it. And it's like having to like, I guess, yeah, for a lot of people, it's not a big deal, but I couldn't help think about people who, you know, for whom English is not their first language. Like sure. this is such a daunting narrative and the board insisted that like we don't care about you know it doesn't have to be perfect grammar or whatever but I mean let's not act like you're going to completely ignore that and that I just think of what a barrier that is for so many people Um, and I wonder how many people out there do pass the CPA exam and do want to be a CPA and do have the experience and absolutely absurd licensing requirements like this essay that apparently isn't needed if you just find another way to do it is uh, it's kind of holding them back so that kind of stuff can be real barriers definitely to people wanting and then it's like if i can't even write this essay how am i supposed to succeed in this role and they're not related <laughs> they're not related you can succeed and right. also struggle with this so right i feel like requirements for licensure to obtain it and maintain it could probably be an entire podcast episode. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, the CPA exam in general, I mean, we all know, I think we all agree that there's so many things about it that have to change. And of course, like, you know, being a CPA is in no way required for being a good accountant. So I'd like for you to share your top things. You would suggest that employers who have folks that may have ADHD working for them can do to help their staff. And then conversely, for folks that have ADHD and are working for other folks, what might they be able to do that they have control over that might be able to help them in the workplace? I think the biggest thing, and this was something that my previous and my current employer are both very, very good at is, is just listening and being open-minded when someone is asking to do things in a way that maybe they haven't always been done. When I was in school, I went and walked around Moss Adams in Portland. It's like the big five and Moss Adams is the fifth. So they're pretty big. And I went to their office and it was pretty much all open seating. And I remember seeing that and just thinking like, man, I would struggle here. There is so much going on. How could I ever focus on the boring thing I'm doing in front of me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How could I focus on, I mean, how could I focus on a thrilling thing in front of me? There's, you could put on reputation stadium tour on my computer and I'd still be like looking around, listening to everybody, like watching everybody's body length. You know what? There's just so much. And 
I'm not sure that they had more private or quiet spaces. And this was before COVID, before working from home was really common. And I thought this isn't even an option because the thought of telling an employer, I can't focus in a group of people. How are they going to interpret that? Oh, you can't just like be normal in a group of people. Yeah, no, I cannot. (laughs) I know that people normally work nine to five. Some days I wake up and 11 to seven sounds better and I'm not having client meetings. Is that cool? Yeah. Why would that not be cool? Right. There are so many things that I think we do as accountants processes that we do just because that's how we do them. Sure. (laughs) And consistency, consistency, (laughs) you know, Sally really helpful, (laughs) but you know, and, and I definitely acknowledge that changing processes is extremely hard, but disabled people have been calling for this for years, right? There's no reason I'm driving to an office to work alone on applications that are cloud hosted. There is no reason I cannot do this at home. Right. 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 Gotcha. Um, being open to that sort of stuff. And it doesn't just necessarily pertain to remote work. Every employee may normally get two monitors and you may have someone who's like, my brain gets so overwhelmed when I try to squeeze everything I need on two monitors. Can I get a third? And also, can I get a different chair? I- so, you know, that kind of stuff, like being open to just like, hey, can I have a room where there's no overhead lighting? Can I, I need a quiet space? Can I wear noise canceling headphones? Can I, whatever, just being open and really thinking like, does this affect me? Does this affect this person's ability to get the work done? If no, be open to the fact that someone might need to do something differently, even if it seems silly to you, or even if you're like, that is not necessary. Like, stop saying that. Stop saying it's not necessary. (laughs) Let people have the accommodations that they are asking for and make it clear in your culture, like actually clear in your handbook and really live it that you're not going to be penalized for asking for that stuff, for You know, I was just like, hey, I can't keep track of anything we're doing because we don't have a great practice management system. I cannot keep track of stuff. It's great that these three people can because they're good at stuff. And, you know, that was like a way bigger discussion of like, we need practice management. But those little things can be such a big difference. And when people feel empowered and encouraged to ask for them, they will definitely ask for them, or at least I will. If someone's like, hey, what do you need? (laughs) Like, oh, thank you for asking. I need noise canceling headphones. Like, that's what I need. That's so that's my biggest thing. And also, I would say working on just learning. If you're unfamiliar with ADHD, reading about it and, and truly like working on acknowledging that someone being behind on a project doesn't mean that they're lazy or careless or doing a bad job. It just Picking the wrong project doesn't mean that they just wanted to pick the easier one to get it done with. Mm -hmm. Maybe it means that they need a manager who's more involved, who can help them prioritize and and learn how to prioritize, right? Those are definitely my biggest for employers is just that open-mindedness and kind of willingness. So, and then for employees, oh. Well, first, let me, I'm going to totally interrupt you. I I want you to answer this, but I want to make sure this question gets answered. Mm Do you think that employees should let their employers know they have ADHD? Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. That's so personal. Yeah. 
it's so personal. ADHD is a documented disability. Not everybody with ADHD identifies as disabled. That's also a very personal decision. I, I think it's really dependent. Obviously, you have to, you need to feel safe to do so, and it can be hard when you don't know somebody whether or not you're safe. I was very fortunate. You know, I, I was working for somebody who I met. I used to play roller derby with my boss. This is how I got into this whole thing. I knew it was safe to talk about that and be really upfront about it. There are definitely situations where people are not. And it's like, how, how much do you want to risk and how far are you willing to take it? You could be risking your whole job. Yeah. And if you're not someone who wants to take it all the way, then all that, is, all that it is is you're out of job, right? So it, it can be difficult. When I worked at the bigger firm for a short stint, I definitely ran everything about that to HR. <laughs> HR felt like the safe place to talk about that. And the yeah. HR team was really great. And they really reassured me in their documentation. Yes, you are safe to bring these things up. This will never be used against you. Like if you want to just tell us that you need certain accommodations, we can, you know, we don't have to disclose it to the, to your team leads, all sorts of stuff. But like, that's not the case everywhere, especially when you're in smaller firms. So, I mean, obviously as much as possible. And right now, while we have this very much, you know, the market is, I feel like in employees favor, right? We, there's a lot of open jobs. I feel like we get to be a little choosier than normal. Sure. Um, sure. Like being able to ask in the interview, it's like if you get dismissed by the interviewer outright, like that's a pretty good indicator mm. that maybe that culture is like not where you want it to be, right? Like I, I get frustrated when I see certain things in job postings or in interviews, but then I just remember like where it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that in this job. But you know, I am so sympathetic to people who are like, I just don't even want to bring it up. I have been there so many times. It's okay to just be like, you know what, I'm gonna find ways to manage this on my own without my employer's input, and I'm not going to worry about it. That's such a valid position all the time about anything. <laughs> sure. Pick your, pick your battles. Pick your battles. Yeah. So other than disclosure, are there any helpful ideas you might have for staff or anyone else who's in the employee side of things? My first thing is, if you don't have a diagnosis yet, please, like, please work toward getting one. With ADHD, medication is one of if not the most effective treatment this is absolutely generally agreed upon you can't get the medication without a diagnosis we all know it's a struggle to to get this medication i've been on this medication for years and it can still be such a struggle and i know that there are huge differences in safety in medical settings especially for bipoc folks for queer and gender non-conforming people and also we live in america and health insurance is really expensive and then it doesn't cover any of the things you need right <laughs> So that is a huge barrier, and I really acknowledge that. I, I know that you need resources to do this, and I, I wish that we all had it because it can just, it can totally change your life. Even if you don't realize how much you're carrying, to have this internalized dialogue about yourself, this self-hatred, this feeling like a failure, like you've let everyone down, like you're not living up to your mm -hmm. potential. Like, why can't, I mean, it's like every four months like clockwork, I have my little breakdown where I'm just like crying. And I'm like, why can't I just, I wish I was just normal. I wish I wasn't like this. And it's not true. I, I don't really. I mean, I do in those moments <laughs> and I do in some moments, but overall I don't, but I don't think I would have gotten to the point where that only happens every four months 
without talking to someone who is like, hey, it's really normal to feel frustrated, but you and you can and should mourn those things, but you can't mourn them 24-7. So talking to somebody who can validate how you're feeling and help you see the silver lining it will consume you is the only is really the thing i can say especially if you're just getting this repeated feedback that you're not doing things right or you're not good enough like it's not sustainable and no matter how self-sufficient or independent or strong you think you are that's going to get to you and so you have to have some a friend a therapist a book a website there's so many good books driven to distraction is a book I would really recommend that people read. It's by Edward M. Hollowell and John Rady. Mm-hmm. I need to read about other adults and knowing other people are going through what you're going through, that there are tools that can make you feel less totally out of control, but also really helpful to be aware of the risks involved with ADHD. Folks tend to have a lower life expectancy Um, And part of it can be attributed to that search for dopamine, for exciting new things, making risky choices, driving fast, using substances, not being careful in sexual encounters, all sorts of stuff like that. Also, don't be afraid if you're like, this isn't really working for me, but it seems like the only solution, like time tracking was such a big one for me. I struggled. Sure. Sure. (laughs) At my old firm, we used T-sheets. Or I think it, it used to be called T-Sheet. Sounds like Intuit Time or whatever. You know, Intuit is horrible. But and This podcast not sponsored by Intuit. And never will be. Don't even email us. <laughs> we will reject you. Noted. Remembering to change my timers was like a nightmare. And there's not really an easy way to... It's like kind of clunky. I just struggled with it for a long time where I just have jacked up time all the time. <laughs> I would like make stuff up or whatever. And then I was like, okay, I need, I like tend to, I like bounce. So I'll like work on a thing and then I'll get hung up and I'll ask the client for something and then I'll work on another thing. And then the client will get back to me and then I'll go back to it. And so I was like, well, I'll get a kitchen timer with three timers on. It was physical and it sat on my desk. But then I would forget to reset one it never worked and i feel like i suffered for so long trying to make these tools work for me instead or trying to make myself work for these tools really instead of just finding a different tool that Mm. didn't work for me and i finally (laughs) downloaded this this is the silliest app it's called watch me and it's just a little windows application that gives you you can add as many timers as you want you can have tabs with different dates and each entry can have a note and you can move them up and down and you can most importantly set it so that only one timer is going at a time and that was like that was what i needed was multiple timers Mm. where if i started one it stopped the other because like physical timers aren't like they're not for that they're you're cooking three different things Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's fine so much part of knowing yourself and accepting yourself is like like stop trying to make the tools that your neurotypical friends use for Ah, you if they don't work for you sure it's okay to just be like, I know that everyone can use this with no problems and I am not that person. And so I'm going to find a new thing. And it can be hard. It can be hard to admit, like I'm in a group of a hundred people and 99 of them can do this thing. It's hard. It, it's oh, hard yeah. to, yeah, it's hard yeah. to be like, oh yeah, well, I couldn't do that thing that everybody else could do again. 
but you know then but you feel so good when you get the thing that does work and like that timer is now the thing i've used for years don't be afraid to shun tools that don't work for you if there's something else that gets the outcome that other people want but you got there in your own way sure that's okay like I know Sally used this work paper and this work paper makes literally no sense. <laughs> so I'm going to make a copy of it. I'm going to rearrange it the way that my brain likes it and I'm going to do it and then I'll have the answers and then I'll just plug them into that other work paper, whatever. Like if that makes you happy, if that's the way you want to see it, cool, but I couldn't have gotten there that way. That's, that's okay. The most life-changing thing I ever did <laughs> in my whole life was in my last term of my bachelor's degree when I got diagnosed with ADHD. I bought again i recognize that these things are expensive i bought an ipad and an apple pencil and i got the good notes app and it's just a i hate to say just note taking it's like mm. you can have folders and files and you can make a notebook and you can make just a quick note and you can kind of create outlines you can do whatever you want i straight up use folders and quick notes that's it and it is like every notebook you've ever owned in one so if you just have the one thing you have everything that you've written down if you're a handwriter, because I feel like lots of folks with ADHD like to handwrite, but then you have a bunch of papers everywhere. Mm. And so to have them on the iPad is so cool. And also you can search your own handwriting. So you can search for, wow. oh, I was writing about this and you can search for a word and it'll search your handwriting. Of course, people with ADHD also known for having horrible handwriting. <laughs> I also turned off badges badge notifications on my email and messages so when i mm -hmm. look at my phone i i have seven thousand unread emails i'm one of those people <laughs> but if you were to look at my phone you'd be like oh my god you have no unread emails but also i'm not seeing that and being like oh yeah. i should see if there's anything new oh i have a text message i should see what it is there are like certain ways in which eliminating distractions can be really helpful and certain ways in which they just make things disappear even more and then you completely forget about them so you kind of have to balance that but i feel like i've done that with the calendar app and with the with the badge notifications for sure is there anything else the world doesn't quite understand the world is getting better at understanding and the more you read about this and the more you talk to other people or read their comic or blog or tweets or whatever about this you're going to learn so much about it it's exciting to see, to read about something and be like, oh my God, I have that. Or to read about something and be like, oh, that explains why my friend Sarah is always like that. It's a good way to see yourself. It's a good way to get better at seeing yourself and to get better at seeing others and seeing them completely and not just seeing the ways in which they're deficient, the ways in which you're deficient, the ways in which you're different. Not enough can be said about how important it is to embrace any any struggle you're having it's totally okay to embrace all of those things that are horrible that is the only way that you can ever start feeling less horrible about them and you know just because you're a scatterbrain mess does not mean that you can't be an accountant that's a wrap my friends reach out and let me know what you think i appreciate you listening in to this episode of under withheld the podcast by accountants and for accountants, where we talk about our ubiquitous professional and personal struggles. You are not alone. <laughs>